0: You're listening to the podcast of Trinity Grace Church Park Slope for Sunday, November 24th, 2019. This recording features a unique family life gathering at Trinity Grace, celebrating a number of special moments, including child dedication, baptism, new member induction, and the launch of our annual Christmas offering. While this is not a sermon in the traditional sense, founding pastor Caleb Clarty shares several comments on the final passages of Colossians, to end this eight-week teaching series. We hope you'll enjoy listening along with us.
1: There is no one like you, God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there is no one like you, God. And yet we sense an invitation to come and know you all the way. Open up our eyes Help us, Holy Spirit, to fix the gaze of our souls even right now on you, Lord. Help us to perceive that you are near and that you are full of love. We are singing, we are praying that we will be those who build our life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. There is no foundation that compares with your love. How long and high and deep and wide is the love of Christ? Somehow it surpasses knowledge. It cannot be fathomed, and yet it can fill our actual lives. What a thing for the love of God to fill our actual lives. Do you know, church, that that is your calling and inheritance? That is your birthright as sons and daughters. Sons and daughters of God in the kingdom of Jesus. We are not simply here to think about God this morning. We are being filled with his actual love, and so we pray, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us with your love. Show us how to build our lives on the firm foundation of your love. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. So nice to see all of you. Welcome to Trinity Grace Church. Uh, My name is Caleb, one of the pastors here. It is a privilege to welcome you. If you've been with us, you know this, but this autumn we have been reading and learning from, meditating on, seeking to be formed by the words and message of a short letter uh, from the apostle, one of the apostles of Jesus, from a first century Roman prison. Uh, to a fledgling city church in Asia Minor. The letter to the Colossians is how it shows up in our Bibles. And today, uh, we have come to the end of that letter. And the letter ends, we're going to read it in just a little bit, but the letter ends with a flourish. Uh, it ends with something uh, like, like a roll call. And actually, if you've been tracking through the letter, um, the ending might, might not be you know, what we might have expected uh, the letter itself has sort of um, ascended to some lofty heights. Um, the, the The letter has some of the most uh, beautiful, stirring, poetic descriptions of Christ and of us, of of the church, as you can find in all the world. And then all of a sudden, it ends with this like rambling series of names. Um, uh, it's like tell so and so, I said hi. Say hello to your mother for me. Um, it's like, tell Arch- Archipus to wrap that project up. Um, the pedestrian way the letter ends, I think, might feel a little anticlimactic to us when you're just tracking through reading it. But I believe that it is far from that. I think it is a reminder to us that we are not simply talking or singing about the love of God. We are, we are building our lives upon it. We are woven into a relational kingdom with the love of Christ beating at the very center. We're not simply sitting back to reflect on what we've heard. We say this a lot. We're not just a sermon here in club, but we're moving forward with this love in the very center of our hearts, in the center of our lives, with action. The gospel of Jesus is for our hearts and minds, of course, but it is also for our hands and feet. It must be. So today... Is going to be a special day. We are going to practice living as the body of Christ, uh, remembering that we are family, celebrating the way salvation crashes into uh, our friends and family's lives, c- celebrating those who are being added to, the, to this very family in covenant love, stretching ourselves in, ge- in generosity, remembering the gift of new life in our midst. We're going to eat together this morning, and then later tonight we're going to have a huge feast Uh, We're going to have a big uh, pre-Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Thanksgiving, uh, feast together. This is going to be uh, a beautiful day in the life of our church. Uh, We're we're going to live out the types of family commitments that I think you see listed there at the end of the letter to the Colossians, Uh, and hopefully we'll hear it and maybe even follow it as if it's a letter to us here in Brooklyn as well. So... um, we're going to begin this morning, uh, we're going to go through a bunch of movements together and the idea of, of, of a sacrament uh, throughout uh, church, church history throughout the, the, you know, the, the, the long stretch of ages that people have been followers of Jesus is that there are these seemingly ordinary acts that God fills with monumental amounts of grace. And we're going to move through a series of those this morning, um, kind of like that rambling roll call that you see at the end of the letter. I think it will be um, beautiful as we go. So we're going to begin this morning, and one of the sweetest things we do here at Trinity Grace is uh, the celebration of new life in our midst. We're going to join with this group of parents um, who are going to be dedicating their children to the Lord. So I want to invite families who are dedicating their, their kids this morning. Will you go ahead and make your way to the front? You can line up here uh, along along the front edge. So as I said, this is always one of the sweetest things that we do in the life of our church. And uh, basically each family is going to introduce uh, their child or children to us. Some of them are, are doing multiple kids at once. Uh, I'm not going to name names. Um, <laughs> You're going to hear these families make some powerful commitments to God, to offer this incredible gifts that they are holding back uh, to the Lord. But there's a place for us as well. We, we as, a, as a church, have a part to play. Uh, we're going to join our faith with theirs. We're going to celebrate the beautiful life of these kiddos, which is so easy to do. Um, but we're also going to honor the commitment these parents are making to walk beside them in love and support and care. So when we pray and commit in just a few minutes, there's a part for all of us. Will you join me in praying? Heavenly Father, we don't even have the words to put to the incredible gift that these children are. Uh, for the incredible blessing it is that they have shown up in the world, that they, each of them uh, are made in your image, that each of them reflect your glory in a unique way. Uh, each of them has a capacity to know you and also to show the rest of the world a little more of what you're like. I just agree with the prayers of these parents that these kids would reflect more and more what you are like in the world, that this world would know more of who you are because of their lives. I pray in the name of Jesus over each of them for the day to come where they hear and know and trust the gospel, where they believe that they are known and loved, that you have died for them and risen for them, that your new life can fill them. We pray in advance for their salvation. We ask that their day would come where they are filled with your Holy Spirit, we pray your blessing and protection over them all the days of their life, Lord. Would you watch over their friendships? Would you bless them with rich community? Would you give each of their parents wisdom and grace and understanding and, and how to raise them in the way that they should go? We take up the promise of your word that if they are raised in the way they should go, when they are old, they will not turn away from it. We, we, we hold on to that promise. I pray over each of these homes, Lord, that they would be a sanctuary of your presence that there would, be, uh, uh, there would be places of rest and refreshment and re- recoupment, Lord, in, in the wildness of our city. I pray that each home represented here would be a sanctuary of your presence. I ask that you would help us, Holy Spirit, as a church family, to rally around and to support these families, to, uh, to, to babysit for them, to share a meal with them, to, to not let them drift into feeling excluded as they are in one of the busiest times of their life, but to move in with one another uh, in radical love. We dedicate and commit these children into your hands. We dedicate and commit these family and families into your hands, and we dedicate and commit ourselves to walk in this way of Jesus, this way of love. So we thank you, God, for the, for the shouting, uh, exuberant, wild joy that we have as a family and what that means, and we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We did it! Woo! So that's the kind of day that we're gonna have here at church. I hope you came ready for it. We're gonna be, we're gonna be drinking from the fire hydrant all morning. Uh, it is gonna be phenomenal. So. Um, If you're you're brand new with us, we want you to know uh, what we just prayed over those kids. We mean at the deepest theological level of our church. We believe that every person is made in the image of God. Every person represents the capacity not just to know God deeply, but to reveal what God is really like. That means something for guests. That means you represent the opportunity that Trinity Grace Church would know more of who God is because you came in our doors than we would have if you didn't come in. That means something not just like we hope you have a nice personality and you're easy to get along with and and maybe we'll want to do stuff together. That means there's a theological foundation that we're not just going to consider one another on the outward labels the world puts on each other, but we're going to say we represent to one another the opportunity to know God. We might know something of God's love and patience, mercy and forgiveness, joy, uh, truth through your life that we wouldn't have known before you got here. So truly, in the deepest possible sense, welcome Uh, If you're new with us, we hope that you already feel a level of friendliness and love. Um, If you don't, uh, just email us and we'll make sure to make it right somehow or someone will. Um, uh, The scriptures tell us that um, all of heaven throws a party uh, when one person turns from a life of sin and selfishness and reorients everything around the rescuing love of Christ. Uh, The picture and experience is of a person coming into union with Christ and then being filled with the Holy Spirit, that somehow, uh, by faith, the death and resurrection of Jesus uh, becomes in some way our death and resurrection so that the new life of Christ also becomes our life and becomes our hope and becomes uh, the way that we actually live. Um, Romans 6 uh, tells us that we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So we, ha- we have a-, a reason to party this morning. Apart from all the beautiful children being committed to God, we are celebrating uh, the-, the moment in four people's lives where they have come into union with Christ and been filled with the Holy Spirit. It is, if we have anything to celebrate as a church, this is one of those moments where we mirror heaven and say we, we celebrate with all our might at the grace of God Crashing into our brothers and sisters' lives the way the grace of God has crashed into our life, and so four lives that means four stories, uh, four salvations to celebrate as we as we uh, honor and, and and walk in the sacrament of baptism this morning. So there's this uh, little almost a line you could you could miss in the last book of the of the of the Bible in Revelation, and it says that. The church overcomes um, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And uh, it's a poetic and powerful statement that uh, essentially goes back to the reality that our, our fundamental hope is in Christ and what Christ has done on the cross and in his resurrection, but then there's the place where that message, that gospel intersects each of our lives, and the story that we have to tell is utterly unique, and that's what I love about these moments as we prepare to express the union these, uh, th- these uh, four have experienced in salvation with, with Christ, is that their stories are our stories, and, and each section is different in detail from you or mine, and maybe there's a word that you heard that was similar to yours, or, or, or a way that was different, but you relate it back to your own experience, and then we have this collective um, sense as a family that we're all brought into um, to, to this gospel together, and even though we experience it a little bit differently, um, the fundamental reality, that the, the overcoming death and resurrection of Jesus has in, in intersected our story, and we are alive in a new way, and so... We're gonna move through a series of confessions uh, with, these, with these baptism candidates. And uh, this dates back to the fourth century. So for uh, across the ages, as followers of Jesus have come uh, to trust Christ to believe the gospel, be filled with the spirit and begin this new life, they have shared this confession uh, together, which I think is, is, is a powerful thing. And so, all right, let's say this together. This, <laughs> this is our response. I can't touch my, my notes with wet hands. We receive you into the household of God. Confess the faith of Christ crucified, proclaim his resurrection, and share with us in his eternal life. Amen.
0: All right. You guys with us? This is an awesome day. All right. Let's turn our hearts to the teaching text. Our teaching text today comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with the our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my coworkers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, And Demas, send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you, in turn, read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Feels like a lot of locations and costume
1: changes this morning. Uh, but we are, uh, we are rolling on. I, I want to tell you just a, a, a very little bit. I want to let you off the hook. We're not even going to have a, a sermon um, but I just want to tell you the very, uh, very little bit, or perhaps remind you, just a bit about the people that are in this roll call. We kind of set it up earlier that this might feel like an unexpected way for the letter to end, just suddenly, like mentioning a bunch of names and then, and then wrapping up. But um, each person represents, as we've just heard, like a full story. They have a whole life that is represented. There's, there's the entire sphere of their experiences, the sphere of their relationships, and so. Onesimus, who we've already mentioned in the, in the series thus far, he was a runaway slave, um, but, but he's returning to, uh, to, to the city and, and to this, this, this fledgling city church, um, but he's not returning as a slave, um, he's returning as a member of the family of God. And of a, a member of the church in full standing. He's going to share with them in worship and at the table of communion. He's going, to, he's going to enjoy the feast of love with them. And Philemon, that very household where he used to work, is in this community. And he is going to welcome him in as a full standing member of this community. That's the instructions from the apostle because that's what the gospel requires, <laughs> it's it's a beautiful thing and let me tell you this was absolutely unheard of in the wider roman culture the church was modeling this subversive love of christ another another one mentioned uh it, was the fellow prisoner of Paul who was literally in this you know, leaky Roman jail with him, Aristarchus, and uh, you can imagine the two of them praying together, the very prayers that if you wanna go back through and remember from our first week, some of the most stirring prayers in the New Testament are recorded in this letter. You can imagine Paul and Aristarchus huddled together in this leaky prison where they literally had to have their essentials for life brought to them on a daily basis in order to survive, praying these towering prayers of faith. They were literally working a revolution from a hole-in-the-wall prison cell through what? Through prayer. Mark is mentioned in the roll call. He's called John Mark elsewhere in the New Testament. He was the cousin of Barnabas, but he's also someone that we know from Acts who had a really massive falling out with the Apostle Paul. At one point, Paul refused to work with him. Uh, didn't want him to join in their travels. And I love that he's mentioned in this roll call, that in the same letter with this towering you know, theology and, and these high-flying prayers, that here's a guy that Paul had a grudge against and didn't want to work with anymore. I love that his name is mentioned because it reminds us of the reality of community, that that we see on, on some level it's beautiful because they've worked it out. He says, John Mark is to be received. He's, he, he, he's to be welcomed in. We've worked through our grudge. But they, they, they were reconciled. But we're going to let one another down. I know that's not news to you. But as beautiful as a morning like this is, it's important to have a reminder we're gonna let one another down. The ideal of community And the experience of community are often two very different things. We're going to hurt one another at times. We're going to have to have massive resources of forgiveness, of healing, reconciliation. Don't forget, church, the New Testament church and us in in the stream of that inheritance. Our ministry is a ministry of reconciliation. You don't need reconciliation unless the two parties are divided, and yet that's what we're always meant to be about. We're not simply a community of people who have enough in common that we love to hang out. That's not what our community is founded on. For years, I've been stirred by the reminder about the real Jesus community from the words of of Henry Nowen. I want you just to hear these with me. I know some of you will have heard them before. Community has little to do with mutual compatibility. Similarities in educational background, psychological makeup, or social status can bring us together, but they can never be the basis for community. Community is grounded in God who calls us together and not in the attractiveness of people to each other. There are many groups that have been formed to protect their own interests, to defend their own status, or to promote their own causes, but none of these is a Christian community. Instead of breaking through the walls of fear and creating new space for God, they close themselves to real or imaginary intruders. The mystery of community is precisely that it embraces all people, whatever their individual differences may be, and allows them to live together as brothers and sisters of Christ and sons and daughters of his heavenly Father. I love that Paul mentioned John Mark, who we'd had a huge falling out with. It's a reminder to us that we have to have reconciliation, forgiveness at the heart of our community. I'll give you another name, Epaphras. He's already been mentioned in the letter before. We spoke of him at the beginning of the series, but he was the one who had taken the message of Jesus to the city. He, he was the one who brought the, 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 the description of the redeeming love of Christ that had crashed into his life, the filling of the Holy Spirit that had, that had changed him, and he passed Along this reality of the kingdom of God along relational lines. I want you to hear that this morning. This is what we're trying to demonstrate. The kingdom of God moves along relational lines. This man Epaphras had gone in to this city and he had shared the message of Jesus and it had taken root like a seed planted in the ground. It was growing up to form this new community. A kingdom of love. That's how it moves. In the same vein, Luke. The physician is mentioned. Um, he's not a Jewish man, but he traveled with the apostles. And, and I know that we'll fly right past that. We don't have time to unpack it, but that was a very big deal uh, in, in, in the early church. How, how Jewish did you have to become to be a follower of Jesus was one of the questions that the early church wrestled with. And they kept coming back over and over again to say that Christ was sufficient. But this Luke, this doctor, he traveled with the apostles and he was a biographer of Jesus. Luke wrote a two-volume account of Jesus' life and then of the growth of the movement of Jesus. And part of it was good enough to make it into Charlie Brown's Christmas. Just think about that. This guy's an accomplished writer. He's about to be one of our guides as we enter the Advent season. Luke has some of the most details leading up to the birth of Christ. And he happens to be mentioned in the roll call at the end of this letter. Nympha was a strong, wealthy leader who was radically generous. She hosted a church in her household. She represented the strong, subversive love and power emerging in the Jesus community and that they were empowering women to a greater extent than their surrounding culture. Our, our Archippus is mentioned and reminding us that uh, it's, it's always... Easy to begin, right? It's easy to begin and Paul's writing and saying, Hey, don't forget, don't cease to go forward in completing the thing that God has called you to do. I just want you to think about all those scenarios. All 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 those all those reminders. A former slave returning, someone wrestling with Paul with prayer in prison, someone Paul had had a massive falling out with, this very one who had taken the message into the city for the first time, Luke, who's going to be a bi- biographer of Jesus, literally his accounts of the life of Jesus and the early church are going to transform the whole Roman empire, Nympha, who's hosting this church in her home, Archippus, who has some calling from God that he's meant to finish, and your story, right? And my story, and and, and each and every one of us woven into this relational kingdom. The power of the message of the gospel, all the high flying theology of this letter is pouring into the details of these believers' lives. They are not simply baptized with ideas or immersed in a new way. This, This new way that they were immersed in changed how they lived, how they loved one another. They were a new type of family in the world, and we are called to walk out that inheritance. We are called to take up the interests of one another. We are called to run out of our cages of selfishness and and learn to love in the way of Jesus. For us, this looks like no longer considering one another simply by the labels the world has given us, but as sons and daughters of God, as brothers and sisters. This is a family Sunday because we are family. This means pleading with God together for God to move in our world in real ways the way way Paul did from prison, to bring the kingdom of God in our city as it is in heaven. It means that we have to forgive and and to to do the work of reconciliation with one another. It means we have to bear with one another's burdens. It means we we are called to a life of radical love, sacrificial generosity, outpourings of the Holy Spirit. We show what we believe. By how we live. We demonstrate the love of Christ by the way we take care of one another. That's what Jesus said, they're gonna know you're my disciples by how really articulate you are about me. No. They're gonna know you're my disciples by how you love one another. So we're gonna keep practicing this. We're gonna keep challenging ourselves to live in this way. We're going to keep having family Sundays like this. We're going to keep getting into each other's lives. Every year, right around this time, uh, when we could actually... Uh, it makes sense to be worrying a little bit the most about our, at our, our congregational budget, sort of eyeing the, the end of the year, saying, are we going to make it? Or you know that December's coming with extra travel and extra expenses for, for the holidays, and it can be easy to sort of bear down and say, am I going to make my own personal family budget? And yet one of the ways we're trying to live out this new way, this Jesus way in our midst, is to challenge ourselves to radical generosity, <laughs> to challenge ourselves right at the very moment where our culture is saying, make it about you and just your personal story or your family. We're trying to prophetically pivot outward to our neighbors. We do this every year intentionally right around this time. You're going to hear in just a moment, uh, for the first time this year, about our Christmas offering, which is something that we, we try to stir one another, in the New Testament it says stir one another up to good works. We're trying to stir one another up to live this radical way of generosity together right at the moment where our culture could I- invite us or our own budgets might be inviting us to turn to turn inward. This Christmas offering is gonna run through the next season. It is a beautiful challenge to our church family. I want you to hear this call with your ears and hearts freshly tuned to the reminder of our identity and that our vocation is one of reconciliation. Our vocation is one of love. So I wanna challenge our our whole church family. I want you to know my my family is is gonna be responding to this challenge as well, to, to dig in deep, not just to give from the sort of the froth of the overflow of our lives, but to get into the quick, of our actual lifestyle and say, how can we be radically generous, um, you know, in in this, in this season of, of our church. You guys are doing amazing, by the way. I know there's been a lot of things that we've been doing this morning. We're, we're going to welcome some new members in right now. And then, yes, it's going to be exciting. And then we're going to, uh, then we're going to come to communion as we end, uh, as we end this morning and we sort of wrap up this, this family Sunday. And, um, We've, we've already covered a lot. Uh, these new members that you're about to meet in just a moment, they've been walking through our, our members course um, this, this, this fall. It has been a, a joy uh, to get to know these lovely souls, to find out which of them are powerlifters, which of them are uh, unexpected security guards. We, uh, we had a, a night where we had dinner and we were praying together and we all shared something uh, unexpected about our lives and uh, it was a hilarious time. Um, our, our Church, I want to say this to you, our church is truly getting stronger today. Um, we've walked uh, with these uh, new members uh, through this course about our vision and our beliefs and our life together, and that is truly important, but um, just as important as we 've gotten to know their journeys, um, how God has brought them here, how they 've come to faith in Christ, their passions and gifts. Um, The ways God has called them to be a part of and contribute to this family, Uh, we have shared evening uh, of prayer together. That was uh, a really powerful and beautiful time. Actually, I cannot wait for you to get to know um, these folks if you haven't already. I I can't uh, I can't tell you how joyful it makes me that some of your hair is still wet from being baptized. Uh, What what a what a beautiful thing. You know, in a sense, our last stop is always our last stop. In that, it's we go to the table of communion, and that's where we're going to go right now. And of course, we're going to we're going to worship as we go. We're going to worship after after we go on our on our way out. Um, I know some of you have have to slide out in just a moment to get to get children, and that's totally acceptable. But um, each week, as we par- prepare to go to the communion table, just think about that word. We are. You know, this is, is the Lord's Supper, but the way we come to it is we come through, we, we, we come to commune. We come to commune with Christ, and we come to commune with one another. It is, a, um, it, is a, it is an expression of the relational reality of the kingdom of God. Every week as we go to this meal of grace and love, we prepare our hearts with these words. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. Familiar words, we say this every week, it is a meal of grace, it is a meal of remembering, it is a meal of expectation. How how do you remember someone's death while also expecting them to come, (laughs) except that there's a resurrection that has occurred, and this meal represents all of that. Last week we went just a little bit further in our reading than we normally do, and I want to give you those words as well. So then, when whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. This is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we, if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. These are mysterious and harsh words. What on earth does it mean not to perceive the body of Christ as we come to the meal? I think on some level it is to forget that it is about Jesus, and another level it is to forget that it is about our brothers and sisters that we come forward. The message of this meal is staggering. It is, it is rescuing, healing, forgiving, empowering, family-making, covenant love. And the warning that we hear again today is to eat it without discerning the body. That we would not consider the body of Christ has been broken for us or the body of Christ that we have become a part of. You have spent this entire morning perceiving the body. And I want to ask you to pray that the Holy Spirit would help you now as we come forward to receive this meal, the Spirit of God would help us to perceive the body, that we could search our own hearts, that we could remember the body of Christ and we could remember the body of Christ. Remember the body of Christ that was broken and poured out from you. Receive the good news that you are welcome to be family. All we do is surrender to that love and faith. We trust that it counts for us, and of course it does count for us. But remember the body of Christ around you. Remember, look around. Remember to get to know them. To perhaps invite them for a meal, to pray for them, to forgive them, to confess your heart to them, to be radically generous together to each other and to the world. Remember, we are in a relational kingdom that moves along relational lines. Next week for Advent, we're going to move coffee hour that we sometimes do after the service. We're going to put it before. I want to invite you, come early next week to perceive the body. Come at 10. I, I know that sounds crazy, but come early and get a coffee and perceive the body. Say hello to one another. This week, run into the arms of Jesus. Let yourself be embraced by the body of Christ. We're gonna sing and pray and eat together, and then later tonight, I wanna invite you to come perceive the body. We're gonna have a, a huge feast. The big dinner Thanksgiving edition is tonight. If you have an RSVP, you're still welcome to come. Come, let's eat together. Let's, let's get to know one another even more, right? Let's pull this thing down into, the, into, the, into our bones. So I'm going to pray for you and pray for this meal as we come to it, and then we're going to come and be embraced by this Jesus whose body has been broken, whose blood has been shed to welcome us in, and we're going to embrace one another. If the Spirit has spoken something to you, maybe you, in seeing someone else's commitment to Jesus, you know that you have a commitment you need to make. Maybe some of you, uh, you in some way, the Spirit is, is, is reminding you of, of a way you need to move forward in your life. As always, we invite you to pray uh, as you come and as we take communion. We're gonna, we're gonna worship and we're gonna end our time together perceiving the body, being nourished by this meal of grace and nourishing one another with the love that is shared in our midst by the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us, and then we'll come forward in response. Heavenly Father, what a morning. I thank you so much again for each child. I thank you for the new faith, God, the the baptisms, Lord. I thank you for the new members. I thank you for an opportunity again to, to be stirred, to give away what you've given to us, to to pass it along in an act of love. I thank you for uh, what it means to be family. I thank you for this meal. I know that you are in it, God, uh, that that these sacraments are are ordinary holders that contain your grace. And I pray your grace would just pour through this meal right now. I pray that you would help us to come discerning this, this morning, discerning our hearts, discerning the body. I pray you would lead us, Holy Spirit, in any way that we need to respond to you from what you've spoken to us. We know you speak. Would you help us to listen and obey? So bless the meal, we pray in Jesus' name. Bless your church as she comes. Nourish us and help us to be the body of Christ, to be the church, not just attend the church. To live as this relational kingdom of love in Brooklyn. We pray your kingdom would come here, in our city, in our borough, in our neighborhoods as it is in heaven. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Church, as you're ready, I want to invite you to stand, to come forward, even as we start worshiping, to come forward, receive the meal. If you need prayer for anything, there'll be people who are here to pray with you, will worship, and then in just a few moments, you'll hear uh, the, the benediction, the last words of today. Come and receive the meal, church, as you're ready.